Mr. Allison. Mr. Allison. How are you <laughs> Hello, today? Hello, Mr. Divine. Dude, <laughs> hey, uh, I'm great. And it's funny because we were, I was just over in the UK. I mean, this is going to come out Ooh, way later. Yeah, we have to talk about it. Yeah. It's like, it was so wild. So I'm going to set the scene. Uh, I'm at this flat. And that's that's uh, that's British speak. I've learned a lot. I've learned oh, a lot since being in the UK. That's oh, British. Oh, you called no, him a flat, right? dude. Yes, yeah. yeah. I'm at the flat, so I'm trying to you know I'm trying to up my British slang game. And Scott takes the lift. That's another that's another British thing that no American says. Elevator. What do you guys call it? Oh, elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like we call things. It's such like literal like elevator <laughs> weed whacker. <laughs> It, uh, it elevates you. Yeah, it, it elevates you. So Scott comes up the lift, comes out, and I'm like, are you kidding me? There he is in the flesh. And I, I think I touched your arm. I think I went over and was like, is it really you? Like, I grabbed you and was like, is this it's you in the flesh, dude? Uh, but it was so fun. I just want to say um, it was it was incredible to be there, incredible to, like, meet the team and hang. And Scott Devine is a real person, you guys. He's real. <laughs> I touched his arm. <laughs> we did. And we even went to the pub probably too much as well, oh, yeah. which is funny because oh, yeah. I never go to the pub. I go to the pub maybe once a week on a Saturday afternoon to uh, to get my kids fries. But for whatever reason, I was really compelled that every time we had a bit of downtime, I was like, hmm, let's go to the pub. And we were there. We took the kids there. We have meals there. It was great. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it, was, dude, uh, it was the best. It was awesome, dude. And isn't it funny, like, when someone comes to your town, you you experience your town in a different way. I've had that yeah, in Minneapolis. Yeah. Like, when people have come, then I take them out to do things that I wouldn't necessarily go do on my own or with my family all the time. But, yeah, man, the, the hospitality level was 100%. It was so fun. We ate a bunch of meals together. It was it was just, it was awesome. So, I thanks for that. Almost ate sushi? Almost, almost. Dude, listen, I love sushi. You know this about me. I'm a sushi fanatic. I have said before that if I could eat sushi professionally, the base, I would never touch the base again. <laughs> it's probably a lie. It's probably a lie. But what I found out from talking to your sweet wife, Lisa, who I was sitting at at the curry dinner, is oh, that yeah. you are not a sushi guy. No way. Dude, dude, raw fish. I'm just not sure. I'm just not. <laughs> it just sell, like, and, and, and to be, to, to be totally transparent as well, even fish, like I'm not <laughs> cooked, like, cooked or raw. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Like, let's go into this for a minute. Right. So cold food. I'm not a fan of cold food. Like, interesting I, yeah like yeah i can have like crisps chips for instance you guys call them i can like stuff like savory stuff yeah right but but cold food like lisa eats mm. these like weird egg balls cold out of the fridge i'm like <laughs> gipping right and my son's like mm, i'll have a sausage roll and he pulls it out of the fridge fr just freezing <laughs> cold and he just starts chomping down on it i'm like <laughs> it needs to be warm right so right, on top right. of like not really being a fan of cold food i'm also mm. not a fan of fish either <laughs> so it's like the it's like the dual it's like two of them things together cold food and fish <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! okay okay <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. All right. Let me just pitch you real quick. Here's uh, the great thing about getting sushi at a great place is that the rice is warm. So you have this amazing mm. duality of you have fresh fish that isn't cold, but it isn't it, you know, it's not cooked, right? So it's yeah, more yeah, yeah. room temp, slightly chilled on top of warm rice. And the combo of that, oh, you dip it in a little soy, a little wasabi goes on top. Maybe it hits your nose in a way. It's kind of spicy. It's the best, dude. I need it's to get into the this. best thing ever. And, and we are going. We're, I'm gonna I go. need to tell you a secret. I need to tell you a secret. When you said to me, oh, yeah, we're going to go get a curry. And I'm like, yeah. does that does he mean that we're going to go out for Indian food or Thai food and eat curry? Because in the States, we wouldn't say go get a curry. It's like, do yeah. you want to go have Indian food? Right, do you want to go yeah, have yeah. Thai? Yeah. I have to tell you something. I hate curry. <gasps> no. Oh. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but now, caveat, here's why. I was sick, like I had the flu as a oh. child, and my mother used to make this yellow, like a like a chicken curry dish, and I remember eating yellow curry and then throwing it up all over the bathroom, Ooh. right? Just like running in as a child with like, Wah! like projectile vomiting, and you Just know, I've ever had that thing... Yeah, like have you ever had that thing where you eat a food and then you're sick and you throw up and then it puts you off that food for a long time? Has that ever 100%. happened to you? Oh, dude. Well, for me, it was drink, actually. My parents mm. went on holiday when I was maybe like 16, just turned 16. They were like, yeah, 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 look after the house and stuff like that. Obviously, as soon as they'd gone out the door, I was like... Hmm. My dad's got a drinks cabinet. <laughs> Out come the drinks. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. So I went and I got the whisk. Yeah. It, and my dad was a big fan of whiskey and brandy. Um, and I think it was yeah. it was either that day. I think it was that day that I had loads of whiskey and brandy, which is a dark. They're dark spirits. And yes. and I just I can remember throwing up in the bath, like literally hanging over the side of the bath, throwing up. And I've never drank a brown spirit since that day ever are you serious ever how long even, how long ago was that oh like when i was 16 years old okay okay got it like right. even the so smell of it time. makes me gip i'm like oh god yeah which is <laughs> which is crap right because like i have friends and they're sort of like all, all sort of like swanky about the whiskies they drink and they, so it's gonna be a single malt it's gonna be irish or whatever right i'm like i can't even smell it even the smell of it anyway did you enjoy the curry though? Yes. So <gasps> this is the this is the moral of the story. Like when you're like, we'll go get a curry. I and this happens to me a lot because I love food. I, I was saying to Lisa too that there's not a food that I've ever met that I wouldn't try. Like I'm really yeah. adventurous in trying things. It doesn't mean I absolutely love everything, but when it's with people, like there is nothing that I wouldn't check out, especially if it was with a group of enthusiastic people that liked that food, culture, whatever. I'm I'm in because I think it's such an interesting way to experience people, right? Yeah. So when you were like, oh, we're all going to go out for a curry, I thought, huh, but I'm in because I want to, like, I want to experience that. Yeah. And the thing that was so amazing to me is that I absolutely loved it. 
Like oh, it yes, was yes. so delicious. And I think I was just in fear. And, and it's not like I haven't had curry over the last few years, but it's never something I'm drawn to. But after that meal with you guys at that particular place, what was that place called? Agra. You remember? <laughs> yeah. If anybody's Agra. living in if anybody's living in Yorkshire right now, everybody just went, ah, Agra. Yeah. It's sort of like <laughs> it's it's like one of the really popular curry places. If anybody is also Dude, from Leeds was... or not from Leeds, everybody like it's this is it's really popular. Like not just Agra, but yeah. like Indian food in West Yorkshire is like a thing. It's like it's yeah, yes. you've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was such a fun experience and the thing that spun around the table and all the sauces and dude, I loved it. And it made me think I need to bring this into my palate more. Yeah. And so yeah. I now have that ammunition to use on you <laughs> for our sushi experience. <laughs> I'm down, man. I'm down. I'm, I'm really down for it. Seriously. I, I, yeah. And we'll get some other stuff, too. We'll get some other stuff. We'll get some backup. It won't all just be slabs of raw fish. <laughs> and me looking at you like, do you love it? Is this yeah. the best? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm down have the for bucket it. by the table. I'm down yeah. for it. Well... Maybe next time you come over, we should do it when you come over. Let's go. Like, that's in like a few months, isn't it? Has Phil talked to you about that yet? <laughs> slap accelerator? <laughs> yeah, slap accelerator, yeah. Oh, wasn't that great? We were in the pub. It was great. We were just, you know, in the pub talking about like courses. And Eric was, Eric, shout out to Eric, who's on the team. He was there. We were getting all inspired about slap bass. <laughs> Oh, we're simple, dude. We're simple in a great way. (laughs) Listen, if you play the bass, you also you have to slap the bass, right? You have to slap the bass. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do it on everything, and you shouldn't do it on every gig. And right, it's like there's a time and a place to slap the bass, right? But absolutely, it's so fun. You got to do it, and and we're we're gonna show you how. (laughs) Yeah, hundred percent. And and just just to sort of like to add to that. Uh, without going down this rabbit hole, because obviously we're going to be talking about money today. Uh, yeah, but, money. Um, when it comes to slap bass, I have had a real, I've got a kind of like an interesting journey with it. I obviously, you know, as anybody, you pick up slap bass, you give it a few kind of sort of like, you know, you give it a go when you're younger. And then for me, I actually gravitated away from it and didn't really ever yep. do it, Didn't didn't really ever practice it. Well, I didn't shun it or anything like that. I wasn't like, oh, he he slaps his bass. But there was, I guess, like an era in time, um, you know, when when a lot of the sort of like E to C bass players, like none of those guys slapped. And I was very much into that, that, that school of playing. So never really just sort of like got into it. But recently... Um, inspired by you, actually, um, and, and the whole kind of, you know, like changing the way I angle my thumb and stuff like that, it's kind of like opened up this whole new world, which has been wild to actually new learn about. Yeah, I wish I knew the freaking words. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's been great. It's been great, man. It's been great. I've been really digging. Eden Nielsen's playing recently. Oh, she's unreal. She has that thing of like such confidence in her. She's such a powerful player. And when she drops thumb down on the string, it's in, it's such conviction, like a drummer that plays hard, but with such precision, like Ida is just 
she's so accurate. And I watched some videos of her playing with Prince too. And it's just, I mean, she's smacking that thing and dancing and moving. I mean, it's in her body. It's so, she's, she's really inspiring to me. Yeah, she, she really amazing. is. And, and she also, like when you listen to people like just slapping the bass, right? Like normally, well, it depends what they're playing, but like, it's very common for them to just like to slap it straight. So it's straight. Do you know I mean, in terms of the rhythm, Either, yep. very, like, usually when she does that, when I hear her, she actually swings it all, and it sounds so good. It's not... Yeah, like, she's it's, like, it's, like a 16th it's, note. It's got this kind of sort of, like, this lull, and, ah, it's... Yeah, her feels great. Man. Yes. Wow. Yeah, she's in that, like, new jack swing, like like a halftime swing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yes, it's so hip. You're right, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like, excited about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I noticed that about her because I was like watching a video and I was like, oh, like she sounds great and it sounds shit. What's up with that? And then I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, she's got this like real kind of sort of like halftime swing thing going on. Yeah, it's really, really good. Anyway, with all Very of that cool. said, let's talk about money. Um, sure. Yeah, let's, and I've got my notes. I like my notes. We've got about, you know, <laughs> yeah, you do. gigs. Yeah. I thought we could touch on the gig triangle. Um, and then should you gig for free? I like mm. teaching, how much you should charge sessions, mm. like how much you should charge for a session, tracking in the studio versus tracking at home. Should it be different? Playing with big artists. Do people really get paid what you think they get paid? All of that good mm. stuff. And and I thought it would be just, I guess, sort of like a fun way to start start off by saying, isn't money sometimes weirdly uncomfortable to talk about? Oh, it's awful. It's awful to talk about, and I don't totally know why. I think, I wonder if it's an expectation game, right? Because you're unsure of the expectations of the other person, whether you're... Um, whether you're going to pay someone or you're going to be paid, and that's not a standard thing where it's, you know, not everyone, there isn't an industry standard of what someone gets paid for a gig. It yeah. completely depends where you are in your journey, what city you live in, what kind of gig, the level of the artist. And so I think, I wonder if that's part of the uncomfort is just there's no standard. There's no one that's written the rule book on what you should be paid, um, what you should be asking for. And, and we're not going to write that rule book today either. But <laughs> I think, at least for me, that's where the discomfort comes from. Like, am I charging too much? Will it be offensive? Am I charging too little? Am I not valuing myself enough, right? Those are the questions I think that everybody's asking. Yeah, for sure. And I think also as well, just to your point, like, why is it uncomfortable? I think that, like, those things are uncomfortable, but I also think that it's, it's, it's it's just in, uncomfortable in everyday life as well. Like oh, you know, you're right. like yes. you never really sit down with your neighbor and you're like, dude, how much do you earn? <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. here's the strange thing: I would not be offended if somebody said, "Hey, dude, how much do you earn?" Like I wouldn't. So I don't understand why it's yeah. weird. I don't understand. I think it might be something that's maybe passed down. Like, do we learn mm. that from our parents? Or, like, I'm sure there's, an, like, somebody probably, you know, listening to this right now, and they know exactly why it's uncomfortable. They're like, it's because of this thing. <laughs> but maybe it's sort of, like, historically just, you know, maybe it's always been uncomfortable. 
Who knows? Yeah. And it could be generational too. I mean, I remember driving driving yeah, in sure. my Jeep with um, my mom in the in the passenger seat, my daughter in the back, and my mom was talking about a job that she'd done where she got paid, you know, a lot of money. And my daughter said, How much? <laughs> you know, because yeah. my mom was saying, Oh yeah, I, I did this thing for a client and I got paid a lot of money. And my daughter was like, Well, that's the interesting part of the story you're telling, Nana. How much was that? And she was like, you don't really ask. My mom said to my daughter, you don't really ask adults that question. And my daughter was like, shocked. <laughs> she was like, what? Why? Like, like sort yeah. of like she was shamed, you know? And, and, and I get it though, because yeah, for my mom's generation, talking about money, talking about what you make, it's sort of a taboo. Um, yeah, and so, yeah. but yeah, my daughter was just like, well, that's the, that's the juicy part of the story. So let's yeah. figure out that number. <laughs> yeah, like if it's yeah, if somebody says like I got paid a lot of money, like the first thing that you're gonna say is, well, how, how much? much? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, the first thing I think about when a friend sort of like, well, not maybe not the first thing if, uh, that I think about if a friend's been gigging with sort of like a big artist, if they're like, oh, I've got this big art, like a gig with a big artist, I maybe don't think about this right now, like now, but like like for sure in the past. I, they'd be like, I've got this gig with a big artist, and I'd be like, Oh, wicked! And then I'd think, Well, and I think, like, knowing me, I probably just said, How much you get paid? <laughs> Tell but it's me. At the, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's at the and and you know that uh, socially, maybe it's sort of unacceptable to say it, but everybody thinks it. Oh, I got yeah. the gig with Lady Gaga. Immediately, you're like, How much does that pay? Right. Like, yeah. Because yeah. it's, it, it helps you sort of, it helps put your gigs into perspective, probably. Right. It like, it puts you in this inquisitive space around like, oh, I wonder if I got a gig, um, how much money I would get paid and if that would change my life significantly or, right. It's like, because money, <laughs> we use money to, to, uh, ascertain different levels of living quality. Right. Yeah. So you're like, oh, yeah. I wonder if my quality of life would go up if I got that gig. But I can't ask about it. I can't ask about it. Uh, and it's, it's wild. I mean, I've got a bunch of thoughts around starting out and how to think about money. Um, and I'm sure you do too. I mean, oh, I yeah, want to know sure. what's next on your, on your notes, dude. What's on my notes. It's, it's kind of sort of like gigs. Like I, I guess sort of like, the, and, mm. and we can talk about whether you should gig for free in here as well, but I'm interested in about, I think that people listening to this podcast will be interested in knowing how much people get paid for gigs. What's acceptable. So maybe yeah. just like, let's move the sort of like, should you gig for free conversation aside for a second? Like, how much do you get sure. paid for, for gigs? I can tell you how much I've been paid in the past, if if that helps. Um, and and, and awesome. bear in mind, we're going to talk numbers? Amazing. Yeah, we're talking about numbers, dude. <laughs> so, and, and also, yeah, God, I've got so much to say on this. I was getting all excited then. I was like, oh, and I can remember, I was in New yeah. York one time watching this big artist pay, and I, I saw them get paid, and I was like, whoa. That was not a lot of money. So there's... Wow, it's, right. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but I'll talk about myself. Calm down, Divine. Um, so when I was gigging regularly um, for, I guess, you know, I'm going to break it out into there's two different types of gigs, at least when I was gigging regularly. There was gigs I was doing because I was artistically inspired to do the gigs, um and really love the music so that could be original projects it could be um it could be jam nights where i was in the house band um the, you know multitude of things it could be projects of, for friends that they're doing 
Um, like anything like that, the money is kind of like really low in my experience. It was it was really low. Sure. It was like yes, you know, about twenty five quid, which is about fifty. Well, not even fifty dollars, right. like forty dollars. You know, it was about that. Um, in fact, I did a gig recently, and I think it was about twenty five or thirty quid. Uh, so, so the same thing. I was just like in the I was in the house band for a jam night. Which was super fun, actually. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to more kind of like gigs that you are, that gigs that you're doing not so much for um, artistic reasons, but you're doing them for financial reasons, you know, to pay rent, pay mortgages, sure. bring up, bring up fa- the family and stuff like that. When it came to gigs like that, uh, really the bottom uh, was around at the time. This was a while ago. Bear in mind, but it was around sort of like a hundred. 100 pounds which is about 140 dollars um and that went all the way up to like there's outliers all the time you know where you got sort of like you know really cool gig and it was like 500 pounds or whatever but they were they were very few and far between it went kind of up to i would say about 250 to 300 pounds which is about 400 dollars so rate for like pro-ish gigs that i'm you know doing like whether it's sort of like you know corporate event band or um a theater gig like a show um stuff like that it was in the range of 100 pound a night to 300 pound a night so 120 dollars to about 400 dollars is that similar to you totally yes exactly the same make the distinction i mean it's super similar yes i think like uh, thinking about playing with original artists and, you know, I know you said you, you want to set aside playing for free, but if I have this thing of, if I get an opportunity to play music with an artist that I love their music, like locally, there's a few bands, uh, this band yeah. called, uh, the orange goodness, a trio I play in, and then another band called Frederick the first, they're unbelievable. And when I get to do that stuff, the money typically isn't great. It's not nothing, but it's somewhere between, like you said, 50, 150, sometimes $200, but it's never as much as playing, um, like a lucrative wedding or event gig or even being maybe even being on the road and getting like a weekly rate. But I try to prioritize that stuff because it feeds me uh, uh, creatively, right? Whereas the wedding gig might actually feed me literally (laughs) the, the, uh, (laughs) you know, you know, the, uh, the original band gig is so I'm, I'm crafting sounds for it. It's often a lot more work in terms of really diving in and learning and memorizing that material, but it pays me in ways um, that are more important to me than the extra hundred dollars I might get from doing the wedding gig. So if I can, I've always tried to have this idea of if it's an original band, that I love playing with, I'm going to try to prioritize that and sub out the the wedding gig potentially. That's super um, interesting. And then I think that that just leads, yeah. I I and and I know that not everyone can do that. And let me just say, I I put a thing up on well, it actually went up on the <laughs> SBL YouTube channel of shorts of me talking about how money. I think it, even the title of the short is like money is the least important thing. It got terrible views, and then I just got crushed in the comments like nah. <laughs> sounds sounds like this is a guy that came from money and i'm like oh, no <laughs> like oh sounds like you know sounds like some privilege and and i just 
obviously you need to obviously you need to feed yourself you need to take care of your bills but if there's a way this is just for me if there's a way to prioritize those creative endeavors musically that are really exciting to you if you get excited uh typically then the money for me is the least important thing because i have money taken care of in other ways yeah, so if yeah. i get an offer to do something that's really cool and creative and i get excited well that's going to lead to other opportunities it's going to lead to playing on more records it's going to lead to cooler gigs it's going to lead to you know i i believe that anyway um, or i yeah. want to believe that i want to believe that the trajectory of choosing art um, when you can over money is actually beneficial to the kind of career that I want to have for myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that said, you know, when, when I say that to someone who is maybe at a different point in their journey, they think that's insane. Like, I can't do that. I have to take all of the wedding gigs. Check this I out, dude. Everybody. Yeah. 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 Ch ch check this out, man. It's, um, so there's two, pe two people I know, you know them as well. I'm not going to mention their names and they're unrelated, but uh, they actually decided that the art was more important than the money. And obviously that they, they, and, 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 and just, just put it out there. I'm not saying either is right or wrong. I think it's very personal, Yeah. but I think that like this, the statement that you made, you know, what was the statement? Uh, money's the least important thing. I think if, hey, if yeah. that's even, and I think it was taken out of context, the people, when, when people were sort of like going <laughs> sure. nuts in the in the comments <laughs> and stuff like that. But even yes. if you did, even if you did mean that, right? Well, yeah. that, you meant that for you. That, that you right. meant that for you. You can say that. That's your fucking opinion, right? Yes. Screw everybody yes. else. That's your opinion, right? So I'll give you two great examples <laughs> right. Of yeah, um, of how this actually played out in in real life for people. So and both of these are incredibly well known bass players, and everybody mm. for the most part listening to this podcast will know who they are. One of them was based in New York for for the most part of his career. He's still alive. <laughs> I'm talking like he's gone. Uh, right, he was based in uh, New York at the time, and I was having a conversation with him, and he was absolutely flat broke. He was flat mm. broke. Um, and we were having a conversation about rent and he was like, oh, I'm in real trouble. And we were like talking about mm. it, stuff like that. And he was doing some really cool stuff. He was involved in some really great projects yeah. and, um, which, yeah, with some, with some really cool artists in New York. And, uh, and I, I said to him, well, c can you not, is there not some sort of like corporate gigs you can do on the side to, um to kind of supplement you know like you know get, get some cash in the door dude and pay the rent and he was like no he was like i cannot do it he was like i cannot do it and check this out he said i've never done it he was like i've wow. never ever done a corporate gig and he said i will right. never ever do a corporate gig ever he said i'm never sure. playing and then he went on this sort of like full-on rant <laughs> about why you would never do it and sure he wasn't saying that nobody should do it. He was saying why it was really yes. important for him not to do it. So that's one scenario. Yes. And as far as I know, he's never done it. And he's gone on to actually be really successful. He was actually really successful at the time. But he was just doing, you know, the kind of gigs we were talking about earlier where you're getting sort of like, you know, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. And it's hard to make yeah. a living, especially when you're living in Manhattan on that. The other guy was actually living in L.A., and um and he he was again he was like playing in a really successful band at the time 
everybody goes everybody will know who he who he is and and he was he did do some corporate gigs and he said it killed him he said it mm. it was like i cannot do this anymore and so he actually right. stopped doing the corporate gigs and actually got a real day gig like he went and did i can't remember what it was but he got a job and he, he and his point was he would rather do that than sacrifices are that he'd that he'd slaved for years to actually yes. um to master and you know and, and again this guy was playing on the highest level of anybody right. on the planet at the time when he had a, he had a day gig and uh, and i've yes. got like massive respect for that i've got yeah and, and it's and i, I, I did too. i did the gigs i did the corporate gigs i've got massive respect yeah. for people that do that because it's almost like they're willing to bleed for it it's like yeah that like they're willing to like eat shit yes to, to sort of like protect like the art that they're kind of sort of like oh it's i think there's something yeah, kind of sort a, of like really it's a personal cool choice yeah it's exactly that. It's a personal choice i do too and sometimes i think like i look at my thing and think like oh man uh, i wonder what it would be like if i just stopped playing all church things and all corporate things but the funny thing for me is i like it well you dig it yeah you like it yeah <laughs> i do i actually look forward to doing wedding gigs and it's so wild because that is not cool like it's in in the modern you know like if you're an artist or you you know you're trying to do a thing or you're trying to build a brand like going out and playing brown-eyed girl is not considered cool but i have found that in in those spaces playing uh both in church and in wedding bands those are the spaces that i've cut my teeth the most honestly exactly, that i honestly yeah. learn the most exactly i'm finding i'm building sounds for that stuff that then i bring into original projects it's sort of like being a side musician where you're tasting a lot of different things and then you go oh this vibe i find that i really resonate with and you can kind of pick some things to do maybe more creative endeavors with but <laughs> I mean, I have people in my life like that too, Scott, where they're like, they'll never, they even got um, offered to play on, on pop tours with artists, but they couldn't do it because it would crush their like jazz indie street cred, you know, like, <laughs> oh, this drummer is not going to go out like with Mandy Moore because, uh, because they're jazz, you know, yeah, and yeah, I just, yeah. I've just never felt that way. I just love playing the bass so much that it's almost like self-sabotage. Like I'll just do, like, I love playing almost any gig because just time on the instrument is yeah. so much fun for me. Whether I'm playing a journey tune or whether I'm playing a bunch of like Christmas tunes or whether yeah, I'm playing yeah. something cool, you know, that, that I really love and believe I actually have fun in a lot of those avenues. As long as the people as long as the triangle's happening, right? Or the square that you've talked about, like where yeah, especially yeah. the musicians and the people are cool and people yeah. are taking it seriously and playing at a high level, I'm in. Um, and, and sometimes I wonder if that's sort of like diluting, but I, I really enjoy it. So I think it's cool, man. I think yeah. that, hey, this is my personal opinion. I, I think that there's like far too much sort of like, not to bring it to politics, but there's far too much left and right it's like all the way over this sure. way or all the way over. I'm like, well, how about like they're right yes. and you're right. We don't both need to agree on this. <laughs> yeah. Like they yeah. can actually b have right. their belief. They can believe that and I can believe something else and I don't need to change yeah. their belief. They can believe that. Right. So it's just, yeah. Oh, it's kind of sort of like crippling me a bit at the minute. I'm just like, yeah, 
it's awful to hear it in the news, isn't it? Like the amount of sort of like friction between everybody. Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's intense, like, man. Yeah, it's intense. It is, sure. yeah. And sometimes when and like some of these characters that I've talked about, when they put their put their you know their I guess their their angle forward, they do believe that everybody should think like them sometimes, mm. but sometimes not as well. I've had you know great conversations with with people that are willing to suffer for the art, but they know that that's a personal choice for them. They don't bitch about it. They're like, hey, th- this is me. Like, exactly. I wish I kind of wish I could do the corporate gig, and because my life would be easier, but I just. Like for, for 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 my soul and my heart, I can't do it. Whatever, right. right? And I'm sort of like more power to you. That's great. And on the other side, you've got people that sort of like like yourself, right? Who actually enjoy doing all of that. Like I really enjoy. Yeah. Like I, I've really enjoyed theatre gigs. Actually, I've really really enjoyed a lot of the theatre gigs that I've done. It's yeah. been um, like trying to nail it absolutely perfect every single time. I really love that. Like, yeah, I'm sort of like more, I would say definitely more like you. And it doesn't, and it's not one or the other either. That's worth mentioning. It's not like all or nothing. There can be a little bit of a, you know, it's a gauge, isn't it? It's like a, it's a spectrum. Absolutely. And I mean, if we, I would love your thoughts too on like in the past and even now, if someone approaches you to play on something, if someone approaches you for a gig, uh, do you have a framework for how to charge. I think, you know, I have some thoughts on this. I'd love, I think it'd be really um, beneficial for people that are like trying to do it. They're trying to gig. Maybe they're trying to get into session world. They're trying to just figure out like, what do I charge for my services? Is it always the same? Do you have, do you have thoughts on that of how to navigate that? I have nothing. I have nothing. I have, (laughs) I have one thing. I have one thing. Is, is it fair? Do I think it's a yeah. fair fee? Like that's kind of yeah. always been my gauge. Is it a yeah. fair fee? So if somebody's coming along and they're, you know, trying to get a project off the ground and they have zero money and they're like, Scott, mm. I've got zero money. I'm like, that's fair. Right. Cause you're thinking, that's you're fair. thinking with empathy about them as well. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, this I, is, a, th- this is a cool project. That's fair. You know, I don't expect them to pay. And, and you know, and it's just, and again, this is a personal thing for me. That's just my take on it. And then likewise, if it's a, if it's a corporate gig and well, I'll, I'll give you, so I'll, I'll give you three different scenarios. Next up, let's talk about one that I did recently. I was in like the, the house band of it on a jam night. So a friend of mine, Nick called me and he was like, Hey, doing the jam. Do you want to do the opening set? And then we can sort of like stick around and jam with sort of like some of the music students. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, whatever. And he was like, it's only like, I think it was 20 quid or 25 quid or whatever. And I was like, dude, it's fine. It's fair. It's fair because there's just, you know, like the bar can't afford it. You know, he's not going to put out money. Like we're all doing it just to do like go down the jam. And do like yeah. jam nights have always paid nothing. That means it's never right. going to change. <laughs> so it's just fair. So again, right. it's fair. And then on the commercial side, if somebody's going to, you know, ask me to, and again, and ooh, I, I would say that um, the money's always the second thing for me. It's always the second thing I'm yeah. thinking about. It's not a primary. I'm not like a breadhead. They call them sort of like regularly kind of over here. I'm not thinking about the money all the time. Um, sure. For me, it's like. Am I going to enjoy the gig? Are the players great? 
Um, is it going to be a good vibe? And then after that, it would be, I'll be like, well, you know, how much, how much, how much is the money? And, and then I'll sort of like do a calculation based on that, but it won't be any kind of like, I haven't got sort of like a X equal X plus Y equals da, 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 da. It's more kind of like, yeah, it feels good. It's just like a good yeah. thing. Yeah. So it's, it's not scientific at all. What about you? I mean, I've, I've really changed my thinking a lot over, over the years when I first started, uh, I remember having a, a number, I would say, I mean, I don't even remember the number, but let's just say, you know, someone would say, oh, hey, can you do this gig? And there's two rehearsals. And then I thought being professional meant talk, meant demanding money. I don't know why, yeah. but, uh, you know, I would say, yes, I'm available for the gig. <laughs> this is in my 20s, you know, like 20 years ago. And uh, and and I, I would like to be paid $75 per rehearsal. And then the show, my show rate is $300 or whatever, right? Yeah, and yeah. I remember there's this artist who said, oh, yeah, that's, boy, sorry. We're, we're in completely different ballparks. Like, it's not that kind of thing. And, you know, so no worries. And then I remember losing that opportunity and it felt like the way I had stated the money thing made them then not want to say, well, could you do it for, or would you be willing to do it for X, yeah. <laughs> you know, less yeah. because I'd said, this is what I, this is what I charge. And then they said, oh, I guess we can't afford you 23 year old bass player. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and what happened is then I lost that opportunity. Um, and you know, we should say this too, like now we're both 43 year old men that, that also have uh, other ways of making, yeah, other ways of making money outside of just playing gigs. Like someone hears yeah. you, like you can afford to take the twenty dollars gig because you are the CEO of a base empire. <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not to say that, like, right, like you're not you're not scraping by to you know, and, and really relying on on gig income. And and that's actually really nice. That actually frees you up then to say yeah, yes or no to certain yeah. things. Um, but when I was, uh, when I was thinking about, Ooh, I need to, I really need to make every penny count. I was way more focused on the money. And, but I still, even in that time when in my like late twenties, thirties, I still found that I wanted to prioritize the excitement level, the way I felt about the artist, the music, the opportunity more than the money. And I feel like that strategy, if you can afford to do it, if you get excited, like you just use the word gut and that's right. That's for yeah. me too. If I get, Ooh, if someone says, Hey, will you play on this record? And I immediately am like, oh, I'm excited. I'm not even thinking about the money. And check this out, dude. Yeah. Sometimes when when money isn't stated and someone doesn't say to me, what's your rate? Like, if I just do the thing, I get paid more than what I would have uh, gotten paid <laughs> yeah, had I yeah. mentioned my rate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, there are yeah, a few yeah, artists yeah, yeah. I play with that we don't talk about money. And, and I wouldn't, I don't think that's good. I actually think talking about money up front, like, hey, all you bass players that need to dub, uh, sub, dep. Sub yeah, 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 the, yeah, okay. depping, yeah, depping out, yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say dubbing, but no, it's subbing and depping. Maybe we should just call yeah. it dubbing. Um, like if you need to sub or dep out a bass player, I think the best thing to do is lead with money. Say, hey, wondering if you can do this gig. It's two hundred bucks, whatever. Like include that. But yeah. there are artists that have hired me for things, and they said, hey, can you do this? Like I just got to play with. Um, 
an artist called Dessa at a Timberwolves halftime, so a professional basketball halftime gig. And I, if she would have asked me, what do you charge? I would have undercut because I was excited about the opportunity. So the money to me was less. Oh, that's important. super interested. Yeah. yeah. So I, she, we just, I was like, yeah, I'm in. And she was like, cool. And then she paid me at the end more than I would have said. And Everybody so said. it's every gig is different. Every band leader is different. And I think it's really helpful to not have um, a specific thing that you're like, yep, it's this. Now, I will just say, I'll say a number because you've said some numbers and I'm like, oh man, if someone reaches out to me and wants me to do a song uh, it, like at home and I'm tracking bass, yeah. I used to charge, years ago, I used to charge $75 a song, which I think is pretty low. <laughs> and How much now, is it now? <laughs> well, now I talk, I say, here's the deal. I typically would like to get $200 per tune, okay? Yeah. So I'll track on your record if I like if I like the music and I think that it's you know and it's a good thing yeah. I will do two hundred dollars a song but then also less hey like if I think it's cool like if the budget doesn't support that and I still think it's exciting I'll do it for less than that so yeah. I find that I will say a number and then I'll say but whatever you tell me. And then typically the artist doesn't, or the management doesn't try to screw me. Like, I haven't had that experience. I think you're um, absolutely I, bang on, man. I think it's yeah. really worth saying, like, well, ideally, this is what I'd charge. Yeah. But, you know, like, if the budget doesn't allow that, obviously let me know. I mean, it, we can talk about it. I think For that sure. you're right. You know, like, people think that everybody's in it to, like, screw everybody over. I no. think that, that that is very rarely the case. I think so too. In this industry, word travels fast. If you screw somebody over, if you play on an album and the management or the artist doesn't pay you, pff, that word travels. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure, for sure. So, and and then it just it it doesn't work out. I think for for that management company or that artist in the future. So I've never had a horrible experience with that approach. I'll say the number that I think is fair for me and what I feel like my time is worth. Yeah. Um, but then if I still love it and they're like, oof, how about, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know what it is. It's like, uh, eight tunes. C could we think about doing that for, you know, $1,200 or something? It's, sure. Sure. Like yeah. if I like it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> you know, and is that, if you're, does it change if you're doing it from home or in the studio? Does, does that change? I feel like I used to think that. I used to use that as a, as a talking point of like, oh, if it's at home, it's easier and, and, you know, it'll be cheaper. I actually, though, have found the opposite to be true. When I <laughs> yeah. go into the studio, it's faster because you yeah. maybe we're tracking live or, you know, then I prepare and I write out a chart at home. Oh my God. I mean, I can take as long as I want. So I'm trying all the yeah, bases, yeah, 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 you know, exactly. I'm yeah, plugging yeah. in all the pedals. I'm trying to get like, make the coolest creative thing. And sometimes I'll spend, way too much time on one tune yeah, and i'm like oh yeah. maybe i should change the strings god now i'm changing the strings now i'm giving the bass a setup <laughs> like what am i you know and it's two in the morning and my wife is like what are you doing i'm like i'm making a hundred dollars they cut my rate in half but it's cool yeah, so yeah, you know yeah, i mean yeah. it's i i'm learning about this too and i i know that i've mentioned this on the pod before but but it bears repeating um 
Um, someone that I really look up to is Ju- uh, Justin Meldel Johnson, played oh, yeah. in Backspan, played in Nine Inch Nails. And he has this thing. I saw him talk about what to charge. And he has this thing where he said, if it's cool, I do it. And I thought, boy, he said he'll load up his car. And this is a number of years ago. Maybe <laughs> he's maybe graduated from this, but this was really impactful to me. He said, if the artist is cool and the song is cool and I get excited, I'll throw a bunch of basses and pedals in the back of my car and I'll roll up an hour, you know, into the hills and play in somebody's uh, basement studio for a hundred dollars if I yeah. think it's cool. Yeah. And I thought, damn, if he's doing that, what am I doing trying to get my day rate? I mean, that's, and for him, he saw, he saw, it's that thing you talk about, about thinking bigger instead of thinking about the, your, your day rate or your song rate, thinking about, well, if, if, if your foot is in with this artist, does that mean a lucrative tour? Does that mean a record? Does that mean more gigs? Does that mean uploading to it even a better artist? Yeah, it has yeah. legs. Yeah. And the $100 that he's going to get for the session is the least important thing to him. And yeah. I have tried to operate similarly for that. But like yeah. you say, it's got to be fair. If you're playing a corporate gig and they're making five grand and they're like, oh, sorry, guys, it's $75 for the gig. You're like, hold, hold on a minute, guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's not fair. And, and, yeah. and, for, and for, you know, Guys like Justin as well, like it is, you know, to our earlier points, it's a, it's a personal choice. It's finding out, yes. I guess sort of like it's, it's worth spending a little time to thinking about your own philosophies around money and, and, and looking Absolutely. at the different models that are out there and, 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 and seeing how you feel about that personally, because yeah, we've got Justin Mendel Johnson on one side, if it's cool, I'll do it. Great. I'm definitely more like that. I always have been. Even when I had zero money, I was always like that for the most part. And then on the other side, you've got old school dudes like Bernard Purdy, who's sort of like, and and, sorry to pick on Bernard, but um, I've heard that he's sort of like, you know, he'll do like one take or what, this could be BS by the way, but he'll do like his one, or you get three takes or something. And then after that, like, if you want more takes, it's more money. He's like very, it's business. It's like super business. Yes. That's what it is. And, and, and like what, there'll be a lot of other people just like that. And, that's cool too. That's their philosophy. Right. I think it's about finding our right. own personal philosophies around this stuff. And and listen, man, I mean, you know, I'm all like, eh, if it's cool, I'll do it. Maybe, you know, maybe when I'm 60 and I've had a couple uh, experiences where, you know, <laughs> where I've been put through the ringer for a hundred dollar song, you know, I'll be like, all right, <laughs> you, get, you get one take and one, one revision and, yeah, yeah, or yeah, else yeah. then I'm going to, you know... <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we should, I, I haven't been burned. Yeah, yeah. We should talk about the um, like b- playing with big artists as well. We were talking about it before we um, before we hit record on this podcast, and I was sharing with you that I've had uh, various friends because before I knew anybody that was in a big band, I automatically assumed that everybody everybody's on a gazillion dollars. And yeah, then I can like remember you're crushing it. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, he's playing with this artist who's in the charts. Oh, he's getting paid a gazillion dollars. And I can remember being shocked when I realized that that wasn't the truth. In fact, there was right. an incident where 
and, and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to get anybody in trouble or anything like that. Um, so I, he was playing with uh, like a, an artist and she was in the top 10 regularly at the time. And, yeah. and I'd done a gig the night before doing sort of like a corporate corporate band thing. And we were chatting and, and I was just like, I was like, well, so how much are you getting paid, dude? And he's like, <laughs> I was just straight up, dude. And, and he was like, uh, yeah, not, not that much, man. He was like, and it was about, I think it was about 120 pounds a gig. It was lo- wow. like, and I can, I can remember right. thinking, oh, I got oh. paid more than that last night. And he was like, yeah. Yes. But he said, well, you know, but I've got like 30 gigs in a row, so it's going to be fine. And, and you know, and I was like, and my mind was blown. And then there's so yes. many different circumstances like you know of like big artists that i've heard of uh, where their bands they're just getting paid a gig fee you know and yes, everything yes. from ranging on the very low side um i heard of and again these are all with big artists um not beyonce type artists but still like we were talking about and i was like oh, have you heard of so and so and you're like oh yeah dude and i was like well yeah their band was getting paid um, the one that I mentioned earlier, I think it was about eighty pounds a gig, which is really right. low. That was really low. So yeah. yeah, they were getting paid eighty pounds a gig, all the way up to around I think like three hundred, three hundred fifty pounds a gig. But it actually it was kind of the same as the corporate scene. It was the same yes. kind of money, you know, about yes. eighty to one hundred pounds up to about three hundred fifty pounds. There are outliers, yeah. obviously. There are people on retainers, core band members. You know, for instance, a friend of, of mine is, um, he plays in Jamiroquai, he's in the horn section of Jamiroquai. He's obviously getting paid different money to the sort of like Derek who plays drums for Jamiroquai, the core band of members, course. right? They're going to yes. get paid more. Right. But it is, yeah, it wasn't what I thought it was. Like, have you had yeah. any, because obviously you live in Minneapolis, it's got a rich musical culture, Prince, I'm sure that, you know, you've heard sort of some oh, yeah. rumors on the grapevine about what people were getting paid, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and it, you're right. It is not as much as you think, especially when you're young and naive and you think, oh, if you get a if you get a gig with, you know, some big artist, you're, you're just like made. And it's like, you know, hens in the living like hens in the hen. I was going to try to use some. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that. So, yeah. Something like that. Hens living in a house well. somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> hens in a mansion. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think. What I have noticed is that artist management can, and, and I understand this, artist management can be shrewd and say, okay, here's the deal. Do you want the gig or not? There are a lot of people. We have a lot of options. If you don't take the gig, there'll be someone else who can. Um, yeah. Are you hungry? Here's what we're going to pay you. But they're using the name of the artist as leverage. You get to, like, if you go out with Jamiroquai, like to your, you know, to your point, your friend who plays horns, he gets to use that name. He gets to put the name Jamiroquai in his bio on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on TikTok or on Instagram or, or wherever, right? You get to, then that name is associated with your personal brand. And that is big, big leverage. And, uh, there are uh, management and artists that know that. And they know that if, you know, if you get to play with somebody like Taylor Swift, for instance, you get to use that name. <laughs> you get to say, hi, I play for Taylor Swift. And that's big. Now, I don't, I actually have no idea what Taylor Swift pays her musicians, but it it would not surprise me if it wasn't crazy money because it's Taylor Swift. And then there are other yeah. things that are going to come as a result of that. 
right? Other opportunities. And, you know, and then because you know that inner circle, if, you know, if you're, if there's another artist that's looking for session work or side musician work, right? It opens up other doors. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me at all. I remember finding out like, oh, interesting. Like, yeah, that's not as much as I thought. But then, boy, you... If, if you're at all entrepreneurial about your own thing or doing other gigs or playing with other artists, uh, it's not just about the money, right? It's it's more than that. The name is leverage. Yeah, so for sure. For sure. It's not surprising. Um, I think, though, in, in terms of me, I've gone out on tours where I've been in a 15-passenger van making, you know, not a lot of money in a week. And then I've been on bus tours where I've been making uh, – decent money. It's never like life-changing, amazing money. But I remember the first bus tour that I went on with Lori Line, who is a, a Minneapolis uh, artist. I think it was, I think we were getting paid $350 per show. And sometimes there were two shows per day. So again, yeah. like you mentioned, not insane money, but when you start racking that up, if you're doing that 30 days in a row, two show weekends, woo, that starts to, that tour actually helped, helped me buy, helped us buy our first home. Yeah. So it's, it's, it can be really lucrative, even though it might not be that like mansion money (laughs) that you, you know, that you started to think about maybe when you were were younger, unless you're on that, you know, retainer gig with, you know, some monster artist like Paul McCartney or something. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think a lot of the time as well, management are just thinking about the going rate is the going rate. Like yeah. it's the going rate. You know, they 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 understand the sort of like the ecosystem that we're all living in in terms of like like you know the music business. They understand that you know when musicians are um, going out, they're probably earning for a great corporate gig, maybe like three hundred and fifty dollars. You know, mm-hmm. a gig. And they're like, well, that's the going rate, you know. Yep. So, for instance, this is an outlandish example, but it's just to, I guess, to prove a point, okay? Yeah. Um, if, yeah, okay, so I was on holiday last week, and we went to see Buckingham Palace for the first time in my life, bonkers, right? Oh, 43, wow. first yeah, yeah. time. So, imagine Buckingham Palace has, like, a leak, and they they want a plumber. And they're like, oh, yeah. crap, we need a plumber. And they call a plumber. Well, the plumber's going to c- come out and, like, obviously, they've probably got their private plumbers, but just let's pretend that they haven't, right? The plumber's yes. going to come out, he'll fix the problem, and he'll charge them the going rate. He won't yes. say, well, this is Buckingham Palace. So, right. actually, the rate is four times more than usual. It's so not. Good. It's just the going yeah. rate, and they understand right. the going rate. So, I think that on one side, there is you know, a case to, you know, there's always different, you know, there's different ways of looking things. At one side, you you know, someone might think, well, it's Beyonce. She, she's making, you know, I know like $300,000 per gig, like after ticket sales and all of that crap. And I'm not sure how much it is, but let's say it's that, right? So she should be paying her band 5,000 pounds each. Right. There's, there's that mentality. And yes. then there's the actual reality of, you know, Beyonce can make however much she, she wants to on the gig, right. the going rate's the going rate. 
Yeah, and for side musicians, never ever start to think that anyone is coming to see you. No, I, I say to the artists that I play with, I say no one should care that I'm playing bass for you. If if people are coming out to see me play bass for you, we have a problem. It means you are not pulling enough weight as an artist. Like you, you need to be the feature. You need to be the leverage. Except and- for Pino Paladino. <laughs> <laughs> Because Pino, if you're listening, I'm there for you, baby. (laughs) I'm there for you. (laughs) Pino gets that pass. Only you. (laughs) Only you. Yeah, but that's true. I get it, man. I get it. That's true. But, you know, I mean, I, I will say that to artists like, hey, you should be able to feel like you are the draw. Um, and then I'm incidental. That's how I want to, that's how I want artists to feel. I want them to feel a security in that. Um, but I remember too, like when I started playing with Eric Hutchinson, um, what I got paid then to what I got, what I'm getting paid now is different. And partly like when you're talking about going rate, Scott, like there was a, a time where I wanted to be making more money with Eric. And so instead of just saying, I'm, I, I need to be making more money and I'm demanding more money. I said to that organization, what can I do to be more valuable? I ended up, so now I'm musical director for Eric. Yeah. And so I'm getting together with musicians. I'm helping get the band together for those runs. And I'm also his guitar tech. I actually love teching. I actually love restringing things. So, <laughs> so like between gigs, I'm taking care of his guitars. And even on the, you know, I mean, it's small runs. And so I'm handing him guitars in the little breaks. I'm tuning up, you know, his instrument to a different tuning for the one tune. Yeah. And that was a way for me to take on some additional responsibility and make more money so that we didn't have to hire in another another person and to me uh, that's fine and there, there would be a line where i'd be like okay <laughs> too much on the plate right now but to make it sustainable for me i knew that i also needed to provide value not just yeah. demand more um, but i knew that i needed to say what what can i do to make you feel good about this yeah, like you're going to yeah. be paying me more money i want you to feel good about it because if you don't feel good about it that sucks you know and then nobody this isn't going to be fun for anybody so that's something that you can do that's a really tangible thing you can do for your artist as well or your boss or whatever is to say okay i'd like to be making more money what is going to help justify that for you yeah yeah and and that's that's worked out for me with artists, especially, you know, playing music. That's great, man. Great conversation. I actually like talking <laughs> about money. I want to yeah. know what my neighbors make. <laughs> oh my God. In fact, there's, there's a dude that lives opposite me called Darren. Yeah. I am yeah. like, ah, oh man, I would love to ask him. He's like, he has a, <laughs> I, I think that the headline is, he earns a lot, <laughs> but yeah. I'm so fascinated. I'm just like, yeah. he's super young. Oh, like you didn't get to meet him actually. Not that I'm really great friends with him. I, I kind of sort of like wave at him. I'm like, hey, and he waves back and stuff like that. But hey, check- how much money do you make? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But check this out, dude. He's like really young and he's a professional gambler. And Whoa. he's got this like crazy big ass house and he has the most obscene cars he's got a lamborghini that wakes me up every morning 
at like six in the morning, he gets in that freaking car. <laughs> and I'm like, oh! <laughs> every single morning. So wow. he's got, yeah, he's got Porsches and all kinds of shit. Like I am fat. Like I might actually ask him. I, I might ask him. I'm, if I do, I'll, <laughs> I'll make it public on this podcast. <laughs> if if you do, then in, in six months, we're going to be seeing SGL. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Honestly, he's, uh, it's fascinating. But yeah, he's a, he's a professional gambler. And, and, and I thought like a professional gambler was somebody who, I don't know, sort of like went around like casinos or something like that. And, you know, like, dude, this guy is a professional gambler. He's got a team of 60 people. So, what? oh, dude, it's like full on. I, like he was telling me about it. I was like, what? He's like, oh yeah. Like they've got offices. Like it is a full wow. thing. I was like, oh, I did not understand what a professional gambler was. I thought it was like one of the I, old dudes at like the casino that I used to play at and see every night. I was like, oh, it's that guy again. <laughs> it's not. Just like, pulling the levers. <laughs> yeah, the, these guys are sort of like, and it's all to do with statistics, and it's all they've set up like algorithms. I'm like, it's whoa, math. it's it's math. It's like heavy. Yeah, it's cool actually. Not wow. like gamble. I actually did gamble once. Should I tell you my gambling story and then I'll bounce? Yes, please. I'm super, I buy the way i did um i text lisa and let her know <laughs> if you're wondering why i haven't picked up the kids lisa texted me back and said just before we hit record on the podcast i said i might have to leave early because i need to pick up the kids but it's fine lisa picked them up i've, I've got oh. i'll tell you my gambling story i've only ever gambled once in my life and it was in monte carlo how cool is this right <laughs> so i'm working yes. on the ship i'm a huge yeah. james bond fan and we, we dock in Monte Carlo. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm oh, going to go yeah. to the Grand Casino. I've seen Bond there, you know, with his bow tie <laughs> yes. and his black suit. And, like, so I'm like, wicked. Yes. So me and Tim, the keys player, we put the, you know, we got the bow tie on and stuff like that. We walked onto shore. We're kind of, like, strutting along. Like, we know our stuff. I've got the money in my pocket. The fat wad of, like, nothingness. It's, like, almost air. <laughs> anyway, we get into the Grand Casino. The only people that were dressed with in a black suit with a bow tie. The only people that were dressed like that in the entire casino were the people that worked there. <laughs> yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> so I was like chased around yeah. by angry Frenchmen wanting to, for me to like get them drinks and shit for like... <laughs> Get me wide away. I was like, I was like, at one point, I was like, Tim, 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 we're gonna have to take the bow ties off, man, <laughs> because people are trying to get me to get drinks for them. So anyway, um, so we, oh, we, anyway, and I did gamble. I, I think I gambled like fifty dollars, and I lost it in under ten minutes. That was it. <laughs> that was my night. That was my night. <sighs> Dude, I hate losing money. I hate feeling like I've wasted or or some, somehow like frivolously gambled money away. So I've yeah, never yeah, been yeah. into it. But I know people that get really excited about it, man. Yeah, it's just never something like the the thought around losing it. I'm just like, no, I don't want to lose my, Dude, my if, hard-earned cash. If we ever end up in Monte Carlo, we will go to Let's the Grand go. Casino. We Let's will go, go. and in. we will wear bow ties. <laughs> God damn it. We will wear that bow ties. I'm going to serve those Frenchman drinks. I'm <laughs> yeah. fine with that. 
<laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, great to have you dialing in or dialing in, chiming yeah, in, man. listening in every single yep. week. We will see you next time. Take it easy. Bye. See you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>